This episode is sponsored by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. Pop quiz, hotshot. If you listened to every title on Audible, how long would you be listening for? Answer, more than three centuries. But you probably already knew that because you never skip our ad reads. And for that, I thank you. And I love you. Right now, you can get a free 30-day trial by visiting audible.com slash splain or text splain to 500-500. That's 500-500. As an Audible member, you will get one credit every month good for any title in our premium selection. That means the buzziest new release, a revered classic, or a New York Times bestseller such as Axiom's End. Those titles are yours to keep forever in your Audible library, which you can listen to while chilling at home, on a walk, or while stuck in traffic on your way to work in your dinky little sedan that desperately needs repairs, but you can't afford it because your boss won't give you a raise, despite the fact that you clearly do all the work that they keep getting credit for, and you even asked your dad what you should do about it, but he mumbles some nonsense about paying your dues, and frankly, his whole idea of the workplace is as archaic as that rotary phone he insists on continuing to use, and for some reason, like, doesn't even pick up, ever. You'll also get full access to our popular Plus catalog, filled with original entertainment, guided fitness and meditation, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows. But if you're a fan of this podcast, you probably would pay money to hear more ads if you could. It's all included with your membership, no credits needed. Again, go to audible.com slash splain or text splain to 500-500, that's 500-500 for a free 30-day trial. Hey everybody, welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and parasitic organism, Kava Taharian. And I am a man of constant sorrow, Lindsay Ellis. <laughs> Still. <laughs> uh, and today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, someone who has been on before. You guys might remember her as Anna. It's Anna, and it's oh, not Anna, either sorry. of those. Miss <laughs> 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 Jenny Nicholson, thank you for agreeing to come back on this podcast despite the horrors of what it was last time. Yeah. Well, no, it was great last time because it was frozen. So that made it wonderful. Yes. And today. Not like this time. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about a movie. I thought I was signing up for the uh, the George Clooney film, but apparently that was not a musical. We're talking about the Disney Channel movie, The Descendants. I'm rotten to the core, core, rotten to the core. I'm rotten to the core, core. Yeah, the Disney Channel epic. It's it is like the Lord of the Rings in that it I was is say. it is a it is a whole it is not a I wouldn't quite categorize it as like a series of sequels it is a it is a body of work unto itself not unlike okay. uh, Twilight which needs four books to tell mm-hmm. the you know so anyway we're gonna have to watch five and a half hours of Descendants. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Everybody's really <laughs> excited about this. This is the most musical I'll have ever watched of like one specific uh, longest running story through multiple films. It's going to yeah. be great. I think it's going to be great because I have a special affinity for all things Disney villain. Um, except this. Actually, that's not true. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think I, like my, my feelings on this are generally pretty um, meh. But I really did enjoy the third one, especially Cheyenne Jackson, who you may know from 30 Rock. Oh, 30 Rock, yeah. As Hades, like the James Woods character slash uh, Maleficent's baby daddy. That's a spoiler. That's a spoiler. Oh, yeah. Oh, should I? Because I've seen the first. Should I cut that? No, but it's a spoiler (laughs) for him and for me. Oh. Because they don't show her dad in the first movie. Who's dad? Well, I don't even know what we're one. talking about. Well, I'm not going to tell you, but I mean, it'll be a spoiler <laughs> as soon as you begin watching the first movie. Oh, I, I right. think I'll be able to contain my rage. This about is going the really well. Yeah. Oh my god, it's ruined. <laughs> well, we don't really have much in the way of notes because I forgot to write them. But fortunately, Jenny knows a little bit about Descendants Lord, despite yeah. not having watched all three of them. SMA. I've only seen the first one, um, and like a sliver of the second one. But I just have an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, Monster High knockoff brands, which is essentially what mm. The Descendants is. It was meant to be a doll line first and foremost. And uh, the oh, tea okay. behind the doll line is that there was that very popular doll line, Monster High. And then they made a spinoff doll line called uh, Ever After High, which was basically Monster High. But instead of the children of famous monsters, it was the mm-hmm. children of famous fairy tale characters like Snow White the big bad wolf, Cinderella, whatever. 
And their designs were like Lolita looking, but they were very clearly derivative of the Disney versions of these characters. Like, you know, Snow White was like color blocked the way the Disney Snow White is. And I think this was a Mattel doll line like Monster High was. And uh, Mattel at that time had the license for Disney dolls, but this was not a Disney product. And Disney basically saw this doll line that was kind of like jacking their characters and got really mad (laughs) and made their (laughs) own that was just like their own knockoff of Ever After High. But now it's actually the Disney characters. And uh, seemingly unrelatedly, Mattel lost the Disney license very shortly afterward. And now Uh. Hasbro makes the Disney princess dolls. So that was inspired by Toyline to even make this whole series in the first place. That is my belief because it was accompanied by a doll line and also a web series, which was kind of a hallmark of these doll lines at the time. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Was it Monster High? They had a web series, not a television series. Yeah. yeah, I remember the Monster High And the Descendants had a very similar like animated web series that was promoting the dolls. How was the web series? I didn't watch it. Oh, you didn't watch it? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure Sorry. It was, I'm sure it was really good. <laughs> well, should we watch yeah. that too for this? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's like, consume yeah. every we hour. Have to. Yeah. <laughs> every like sh- iota of Descendants IP. Yeah. I feel like we should apply to a doctorate program somewhere so we can at least get our PhDs from like watching so yeah. much Descendants yeah. material. We'll get an honorary one after the podcast. I guess maybe that's why like this didn't really interest me because like, yeah, it does make sense as a knockoff. Like basically the premise is is all of the Disney villains are cast off into this island. Uh, You know, it's it's like Alcatraz and they're like protected by like a magic bubble. And so like the the good Disney characters like live in, um, I don't know, Goodlandia. Camelot or whatever. Yeah, Goodlandia. (laughs) Um, And uh, they like enforce this bubble where, you know, the villains are living in squalor (laughs) and they just like have kids because that's what happens. And so like. Dude, it's basically Escape from New York is what you're talking about. It's like all the criminals go to one island and they're, they're, (laughs) you know, murdering each other. Correct. But over a period of like, you know, several decades, of course, they end up having kids. So like the four mains are Maleficent's kid. Uh, the evil queen's kid, Cruella Deville's kid, son of Jafar. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> son of Jafar. What is what is what is Jafar Junior's name? I forget. Uh, J. 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 Jafar. Is his full name J. Jafar? J. Jafar. J. Jafar. Mal is Maleficent's daughter. Carlos is Cruella's son. Evie is Evil Queen's daughter, and J. is Jafar's son. And J. is played by Boo Boo Stewart whom you might know from the Twilight series as one of uh, Jacob's little pack buddies. And he was also in The Haunting Hour in an episode where he turns into a shark. He's just shape-shifted all all over the place. One of the better episodes. (laughs) The first movie's premise is that the United States of Oradon. Wow. What is Oradon? Exactly. Um, (laughs) Okay, see, these aren't references to other Disney properties. Oh, the ruling king is the Beauty and the Beast king. Well, yeah, the Beast, it's Belle and the Beast say. are the king and queen. <laughs> but oh, okay. their kingdom is not Oradon, but I guess they can't just live in France for this movie to work. Yeah. <laughs> the United States of France. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 20 years later, they have a kid, Belle and Beast's son, Ben, and they start like a foreign exchange program for the for the for the evil kids. They're, they're like, hey, to, they're bringing these, him into the city to teach them about. Yeah, yeah, they're life. like they're like busing these kids in from you know escape from New York, New York. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so they 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 have an evil plan, but then they decide, hey, maybe maybe we like being in gentrified the United States of Oratan. Maybe maybe escape from New York is bad actually. Maybe, maybe we it is be nice good. to have a Starbucks in every corner. We're really into this yeah. basically. <laughs> it is a like that like I said, the entire premise is deeply, deeply problematic. Okay. But these movies are very, very successful from what I understand. I don't have a full grasp of it. I feel like when you look at like high school musical, that was so obviously successful because it was everywhere. Like adults knew what it was. Mm -hmm. It was just like in the cultural consciousness. And I feel like Descendants must have gotten good ratings. I am curious as to whether the doll line ever took off in the way they wanted it to. It seems like it didn't. Um, And I'm also curious if beyond television views, it was that successful. Probably the music did very well on like streaming apps and things like that. It's saying here shortly after the premiere date that the ratings for the film was the fifth most watched original movie in cable history. Mm -hmm. 
really? the first one. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty high up. That's and crazy. I, I know tiny people, tiny humans, as we call them. Uh, I have a niece who's obsessed with this or was at one point. I don't know if she's still and probably is. like streams and stuff. I just wonder how that accounts for like cash in the bank, you know, because I'm sure they're rewatching it on Netflix and now Disney Plus. But is Disney directly like, yes, this is super worth the investment? Or is it like, well, that one did OK. Well, if they made three of them, I imagine. Right. Yeah. I feel like the thing is, like, it seems to appeal to an audience that's, like, slightly too old for dolls. And that might be why it didn't really translate to cash in the bank for dolls. Because I, I, did, I didn't even know there was a doll line. Like, now that you're saying this, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, of course, that's the most obvious thing ever. But, like, everything yeah, I've ever seen about rainbow it rainbow hair. <laughs> yeah, specifically, like, you know, the movies and uh, these little, you know, Disney Channel starlets that uh, they have created, like... Dove Cameron, who I, I, I Dove think Cameron is, is like a living doll. Like she's just a, a yeah. doll made flesh. <laughs> I know. She looks like she was genetically engineered in the Disney labs <laughs> yeah. to like be a uh, singing starlet that you could make dolls based on. Yep. Man, I'm looking at this lineup. I don't even remotely know who any of these people are. Well, even their names and stuff, it, they they all seem like they were invented by Disney, except I think I think one of them has a normal name. But like Boo Boo Stewart, Dove Cameron, it all just sounds like you take an eccentric first name and like a, a second name that's like a normal first name. <laughs> like that's the formula for a Disney star stage name is like eccentric first name, very like norm core second name. And then you've got your Disney star it's funny because I've just uh, checked, clicked on Boo Boo Stewart's uh, Wikipedia page. Boo Boo, surprise, not his real name. Wow. <laughs> his real name. His real name is Nils. That's pretty cool. Nils yeah, Allen. Nils. Allen that, that would be Stewart. a cooler name, in my opinion, if he had stuck with that instead yeah. of Boo Boo. But I'm sure Boo Boo was like his earnest nickname. I'm sure that wasn't like formulated to be a stage name. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Miley. Like yeah. Miley Cyrus was like her childhood nickname because yeah. she smiled a lot, and now it's like she's swinging on that wrecking ball. Is with that her. not her real name? <laughs> <laughs> no, her real name was like Destiny or something. Oh, I'm really Which, showing my age. Here. Miley's I'm, a I'm way glad cooler I just knew name. Who Miley Cyrus. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? Yeah. <laughs> Legally, her name is now Miley Ray Cyrus, but she was born Destiny Hope Cyrus. I imagine in part she changed it to like defend her legal right to Miley as a brand because I think it was maybe a little harder when it wasn't her actual name when people tried to sell Miley stuff. Okay. So yeah, Kaveh, uh, well, what is, what is your, uh, we haven't really talked much about like Disney movies and Disney as a brand. So I'm curious what your uh, relationship is to this idea of like, you know, this thing that they started doing in the early 2000s, which was just sort of like creating almost like verticals of like the Disney mm-hmm. villains, the Disney princesses, you know. I basically have like just no relationship to any of it, unfortunately, just especially because it was, would you say, early 2000s is when they started doing that. Um, so by that point, I was basically like by 2005, I was out of college. So I think I just sort of completely missed whatever the demographic might have been for that. I know about the descendants only because of my niece. Cause she mm-hmm. was really into it and she went as, uh, is it, uh, Mal, 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 Mal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She went as Mal for that's Halloween a, That's like a year. cheap and easy oh, she did. Halloween costume to do. Yeah. And she really liked well, it. Well, you get the purple wig. That's exciting. Did yeah. she wear the, a tiny leather jacket? Yes. She had the cool leather jacket. <laughs> that's great. That's Sarah great. likes these things for some reason. She still watches them and like genuinely is like gets excited. Her and one of her best friends when it's actually her former roommate, uh, shout out to Portia. Uh, they loved watching Disney Channel stuff like well into their 30s. I'm not entirely sure why, mm-hmm. but that was like a thing that they would bond over and they sort of unironically loved it. Okay. Um, so actually, I, I, I mean, feel there's... like <laughs> Sarah should have been the I'm person saying, on this like, podcast my, today. My th- I mean, in general, yes, that is always true. But th- <laughs> then we'd just be agreeing and that's just boring. That's true. Um, <laughs> but but all my knowledge just comes from the, the random ladies in my life, like my niece or Sarah. But I, I just mm-hmm. like I don't have any exposure to it, to be honest. I feel like there, there's a th- there's a certain something about these Disney Channel movies because they're also safe. They're just like the rounded edges of media. I was all about Disney villains, like, and again, really only after I graduated college. I think there's just like a fork in the road, like you know, it's just like once you hit adulthood, it's like, am I going to just 
go full arrested development or am I going to go be an adult? And so you chose adulthood and that's fine. But like Disney, um, they haven't really been doing this much anymore, which kind of bums me out, uh, which is I think it, part of it's because like new Disney movies don't have villains anymore. They don't have traditional villains like they have like really kind of starting when John Lasseter uh, took over the studio because he has this weird thing against villains where he just for whatever reason thinks it's a lot stronger if you focus on the protagonists and maybe there will be like like an antagonistic force, but like, you know, with Pixar movies, when you think about it, they don't really have villains with Uh the exception of Syndrome. You know, like in WALL-E, you'll have like Otto, who's sort of like a symbolic antagonistic force, but it's not really a protagonist, you know, fighting against an antagonist, which is kind of what you see, especially like in Renaissance Disney. Uh And like, and it was Frozen, I think was really the like, you know, the turning point there that just like codified that like the traditional villain is dead and we haven't really seen it since you see it a little bit in Moana with the uh, Jemaine Clement's character yeah Tomatoa, but even he's but just like a mini boss he's barely in it yeah, yeah. yeah he's a mini, mini boss, boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh you know the real boss is of course a bait and switch mm-hmm. So I think the thing about Disney villains that makes them so, like, you know, iconic, especially like in that sort of camp drag queen way, is that they have usually more personality than their protagonist. Um, Like, especially for like Renaissance Disney, where you had these protagonists that were all really samey, like, you know, like even Quasimodo to a certain extent, despite the way he looks like he pretty much the same as all the, you know, just like I'm like Oh yeah, like him and Hercules are basically the same character, just one is buff and one is Quasimodo. (laughs) 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 Well, he's also buff, but he looks different. Yeah, yeah, he's buff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so you'd have like these villains that like, and usually the the movie and how beloved it is, you can kind of gauge that by with I say with the exception of Mulan by how beloved the villain is um, I feel like that's part of the reason why Tarzan isn't super super well liked even though people generally kind of like that movie I love mm. Tarzan you know, like, I would die for Tarzan oh yeah <laughs> interesting but, but the, does not have a good villain no villain you don't like Clayton Clayton. I literally <laughs> forgot that, that he was the villain in that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's just like it's like it's like they just like I don't know went to a baby name generator and picked the first one, Clayton. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But I think that's sort of another thing that like it's interesting that these are these do so well. You can see why that people have such an affinity for Disney villains as a brand. But then they did the thing where it's just like these kids are all just like cookie cutter kids that just like okay, and then that makes it less appealing to me personally. There's one thing that they did at Disney. World for a year or two. I don't know why, but it was like it was called Club Villain, and it was everything mm. I ever wanted in this life. Uh, where it's like, a, it was an extra. You had to pay like one hundred and fifty dollars to get in. You're like, love um, it. Yeah, and um, it was like a, a small adults only, twenty one plus. Yes, I was uh, like, it's funny how different and, you and I are. I was like, extra fee, no thanks. I'm leaving. I'm going home. Twenty one plus. Why? Yeah. <laughs> the kids can't come. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's just like, I don't know, it was like a hundred people and they had like, you know, it was a cast show where Dr. Facilier and he had like, he had like a, a hype man were like the MC and they would, he'd like bring out all of like the Disney villains and then you could go get your picture taken with each of them and you got like a certain amount of time with each of them and then you could like get negged by Maleficent. It was great. I hate that they don't do stuff like that anymore. Well, who are your (laughs) guys' favorite Disney villains? Oh, I'm kind of going through, yeah, I'm kind of actually going through a little bit of an evolution of my own because like, I guess my, my soul belongs to Professor Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective, Mm -hmm. the uh, most underrated Disney movie there is and uh, arguably the greatest Disney villain ever. And just like, because it's such a little movie, nobody remembers Professor Radigan. Do you Mm -hmm. remember Professor Radigan, Kaveh? Yeah. I mean, I remember the, I, I barely remember the movie, but I do remember Radigan for sure. Yeah, voiced by D- Vincent Price. It was one of the last movies. Oh, I don't ever think had. I realized that. Huh. Yeah. Oh shit, that's I, awesome! I gotta go back it, and check it out again. Yeah, you know, it, it's like and he he would go on to say that like it was one of his favorite movies he ever did because he never got to sing before. Uh, he's actually a pretty decent singer, and he had a lot of fun with it in a way that he you know wasn't really allowed to, especially later in life. So yeah, I love Radigan, but like Hades is also a big favorite, which is another reason I like Descendants three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm having an, an Ursula renaissance right now. I'm yeah, really, Ursula's pretty great. Like, <laughs> Ursula's great. I, I love Jafar, but I like Iago more than Jafar. Yeah. Um, but maybe Ka is my favorite, if he counts. I know oh, like yeah. Jungle Book's kind of wishy-washy, but I, I love Ka. He's very cute. 
I do love Shere Khan too, as well. Honestly, mm-hmm. he's great, but he's not cute in the way that Ka is. Definitely not cute. <laughs> so yeah. it's like a Disney villain. <laughs> so like Iago and Ka are both kind of like not the primary villain. Well, no, kind like Iago is my favorite Disney character. Period. I was obsessed with Iago as a kid. I had like one of those gross '90s plush where it's like a plush body and a big plastic head. I don't oh. know why that was a thing. Those yeah, were so disgusting. Weird. But I loved it. I took it everywhere and. I was obsessed with Iago. <laughs> how, how did you feel about The Return of Jafar? Oh, it was my favorite movie. I liked of it better time. than the original because it was all about Iago. So I watched it so many times. It is interesting because, like, again, like, you know, the, the branding is so hard. I'm surprised because, like, wasn't Aladdin your favorite? Aladdin was my favorite. Old. I mean, no, I saw, I remember I saw all three of them. I had the VHSs. It, it was, it like, one of the first sequels, right? So that's yeah. why it yeah, looked so yeah. shitty is, like, they just weren't trying at all. It was a TV studio that did it. Um, yeah, and so, yeah you know, it Disney like Tune. Circle yeah, Six Tunes. or something is what they were called, that studio. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but basically the what they're doing now with like the live action remakes of animated movies where like mm-hmm. The Lion King and The Jungle Book, mm-hmm. that's basically for, you know, for your younger listeners, that's what the business model was in the 90s for Disney movies where they would just do direct-to-DVD sequels that were basically like churned out yeah. and it like wasn't that good, but it was fine because it sort I of like reminded me of I wish they were still doing it. was the first horrible one. <laughs> yeah. I loved The Return of Jafar. <laughs> I wish we were up to The Little Mermaid 7. No, me, yeah, Ariel's. I really wish we were. I want to know what Ariel's great-granddaughter is up to. <laughs> Ariel's prom. Yeah, Ariel's prom. That's true. They started doing just pre- prequels when they ran out of sequels so i'm sure we'd be at like ariel's prom ariel's honeymoon and they get in like a petty argument it's like fucking ariel's quinceanera <laughs> yeah it's like beethoven's 18th yeah <laughs> yeah especially for the ones that kind of require like aesthetically like the little mermaid nobody wants to see the little mermaid be a human so of course the sequel had to be about her shitty daughter and she goes back and oh, yeah, the yeah. villain was ursula's crazy sister and i quote verbatim i love when that ursula's crazy sister morgana shows up yeah Sebastian goes, oh, it's Ursula's crazy sister. Ursula's <laughs> <laughs> so crazy sister. I can't do the voice anymore. That's what got I me cast in I saw that movie, Little Mermaid, uh, Little Mermaid 2. I saw yeah. it at like a slumber party with my friend. Like we anticipated its release. We spent the day at like the pool of her apartment complex with like swimming fins dangerously strapped to our feet. Um, and we were like mermaid day. We were like eating all this candy. We put on the movie and we were like, oh, it's bad. And uh, that was like the first time I realized that movies could be bad. It was like a very turning yeah, point yeah. for me. Yeah, it's funny. It's like somewhere at some point in the 90s, you know, everybody had a point where it was like, oh, movies can be bad. Yeah. Because when I was yeah. little, I just thought if I didn't like it, I didn't understand it. I just assumed that like yeah. the professionals knew what they were doing. And then so, yeah, I think I was like seven when I saw that. And we were like, oh, it's a bad movie. We, we didn't enjoy it. And it was disappointing. I had a similar <laughs> experience with the second Aladdin movie because Robin Williams did not do the voice of the genie. And it was Dan yeah. Castellaneta who does the voice of Homer Simpson. And I remember mm-hmm. being like, why would Robin not come back to do Like, I took it personally <laughs> that he didn't do the voice. <laughs> but he diva. did come back for the third one. Well, even at the time, I thought it was because, you know, they couldn't afford him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not true. Yeah. Um, and for more on that, you can watch my yeah. video about it, which is, I believe, called How Disney Screwed Over Robin Williams. It's uh, a good but one. the fact that Robin Williams, yeah, didn't come back is actually kind of the reason why it's so cheapy. And in a weird way, that was what put it on, put all of the Disney direct video sequels on that like cheap train was they were like, well, we don't have to pay for Robin Williams. So screw it. Michael Eisner just drew, drove that fucking studio into the ground in like the later half of the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. He really just fucked that place. Do you guys have one that you think is the worst of the sequels? Oh, man. I, yeah, I made a list. Oh. Oh, man. I'm going to have to look. hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. I have an opinion. I, I, well, okay. I don't know. I watched a lot with my sister and on the day that the new Mulan came out, we did a Mulan uh, trilogy where we watched animated Mulan, Mulan 2, and then new Mulan. <laughs> and we were, like, staggered by how bad Mulan 2 is. Like, all the characters are so mean in it. It just kind of, like, undermines yeah. the first one in, like, a really cruel way. So I feel like the other ones are usually, like, boring. But that one felt so malicious. So I feel like that one's probably the worst. Although I at think- least it was a musical. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were still but- songs in it. Yeah, Mulan sang. She has a nice voice. I think the Aladdin sequels are the only ones I ever saw. 
Really? I. You know what's funny is I think people like Aladdin 3 generally. I did like Aladdin 3, yeah. yes. It's like his dad I comes back. I hated it as a kid because Iago <laughs> was like second fiddle. He was not in it that much. Man, and Gilbert Gottfried cool stand over here. And then he leaves here. at the end. I was so upset. He leaves with Aladdin's dad, which is kind of a cool ending character wise. <laughs> yeah, but for I was Iago. Like, as a kid, not understanding that it was the finale anyway, I was really upset by the idea of Iago leaving because I thought I would never see him again. But then they had the TV show, so it wasn't case. like, yeah. Yeah, and the TV show, I think this was the finale to the TV show anyway. So, like, the story was over. It doesn't matter if Iago leaves. But as a kid, you're like, he can't leave. I need him. <laughs> well, Iago was the first one that ever had a, uh, like, a redemption arc. Yeah. And I think really the only one ever, mm-hmm. really, at least for, for, like, the traditional villains. That's probably why I love redemption arcs so much today is because Iago because warped Iago. my brain yeah, as I- a child. Iago just, like, you know, coated his little parrot <laughs> yeah. body into your brain. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like... Yeah, I'm looking at my at my old list, and apparently I put uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Belle's Magical World at the top. Oh, is that the one that was an anthology? I never, I don't yeah. think I ever actually saw that one. Yeah, the anthologies were the worst ones. Um, I Atlantis saw Cinderella 2, and it was, was really so bad. bad. Yeah, Atlantis 2 is unwatchable. Cinderella yeah. 2 Atlantis is Atlantis 1 unwatchable. was unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. I agree. People love Atlantis, though. Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> The Enchanted Christmas. If you want to talk about bad Disney villains. Oh, I remember that movie. I used to watch it every Christmas. <laughs> the Enchanted Christmas had a villain played by Tim Curry. He was an organ named Forte. Mm-hmm. And, and Fife, his a, boyfriend. Yeah, he his boyfriend, like he had a little uh, a little homie named Fife that uh, was played by Paul Rubens. Um, and oh. he's doing his better and better. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying this one's bad? It is bad. It could have been good. It had like a pretty good budget too, considering it was a sequel. Like they hyped it up. But it's another one that was like had to be a mid-quel because nobody wants to see the beast be a guy. So, Mm -hmm. um, But Paul Rubens and Tim Curry sounds great. All right, so I guess we're about ready to wrap this up. We're going to go watch, yeah, 500 hours of Descendants. Going to watch every (laughs) Descendant. I am excited. Uh, uh, can't wait to see Lil Smee, Smee Jr., <laughs> um, Facilier Jr., who's barely in it. I feel like I'm going to watch at least one animated webisode yeah. just to get a, a taste. Yeah. They've got to be like two minutes long. Unfortunately, Sarah's back in Michigan visiting family, and she's going to be so mad to find out that I had to watch all three Descendants movies without her. <laughs> <laughs> she's wow. going to be very upset. But... The things that we do for the theater. Um, All right. Well, we're going to get We're going to go watch a Malcolm X length of (laughs) Disney Descendants. (laughs) Where the levees broke Descendants. Uh, And we'll see you after this uh, silky, sumptuous ad read. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles such as Pizza, A Love Story, which is a film that profiles three iconic pizza restaurants in New Haven, Connecticut, Pepe's, Sally's, and Modern. Light Flex, I was excited to see this in the lineup because I was at the New Haven Film Festival a few years ago and screened alongside the creators of this film. And I also got to taste all the pizzas, and I can confirm that they're all delicious, so go check it out. You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplating. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by creators for consumers to consume so they can hopefully turn around and create, thus also making them creators, making a wonderful cycle of loveliness for years to come. So why do I need Nebula if I've already got CuriosityStream? Well, my friends, the answer is simple. CuriosityStream is all about big-budget nonfiction videos, and Nebula is a place for smaller indie education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original C-word, that's content, from creators like Laura Crone, Adam Neely, and the one and only Lindsay Ellis. You like that? That's synergy, baby. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you get the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. And we're back. Back, baby. Uh, back from the Isle of the Lost. Woo! <laughs> the, the, the Kowloon walled city of the Disney universe. We were gone for quite a long time. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> I, I had uh, a blast, uh, probably because I wasn't alone, unlike some people <laughs> whose 
<laughs> we picked the wrong week to do this. <laughs> like the one week your viewing partner is out of town and oh, could no. have made your viewing experience probably a little more enjoyable. Yeah, how was it watching six hours of Descendant <laughs> <laughs> by yourself? They, oh, I only got to watch three hours or four. I, I actually, for the second one, uh, mm-hmm. my niece specifically, I told her that we were going to do this because she loves these movies. And she uh, invited me over on Friday night. So we had like a Friday night Descendants party. Um, so I went to my sister's place. It was very cute. She set up. So you saw it with the target audience. Yeah, exactly. Great. So I, which mm-hmm. was very interesting to have some insight into it. But she, it was really adorable. She decorated like the living room. She like put up all these <laughs> Descendants postcards. Oh my, oh my god. god! Yes. And then, you got pictures? I did, of course. Uh, and then she busted out. She had multiple jackets. She had like the Mal jackets yes. and the Evie jackets. And then she had a couple like of official? wigs. Yeah, like proper wow, ones. Wow, merch. Nice. Did she get them for Halloween or just for like playing with? I think one year she was Halloween. I think the other ones she just liked them. Good. So she just has it. And then. Does she have a favorite descendant? She like, I actually asked her that too. She likes Evie. That was her favorite one. Evie's the best one. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, why do you like Evie the most? And she's like, I like her because she's like cool and she's like a designer. She liked the whole like creative, you know, fashion mm-hmm. designery thing. Yeah, because like Mal is hinted at being a talented artist, but it never actually goes anywhere. Yeah, so. she never uses it for anything. Yeah, it's good that Evie, the daughter of the evil queen, opened an Etsy store and she seems <laughs> to be doing well. <laughs> so anyway, Descendants with three movies, not terribly complicated, any of them. As Kave remarked before we started recording, each of them is about 45 minutes of content wrapped in a 110 minute package. I didn't say that because I would never use the word content and you know that. Oh, yes, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, yeah, I'm putting words in your mouth. So anyway, story. Descendants 1. <laughs> dis- yeah, Descendants 1 is the story of Mal, the daughter of Maleficent, Evie, daughter of the evil queen, uh, Carlos, de- daughter of <laughs> Buster Bluth is what I kept referring to him <laughs> yeah, as. And, and uh, Jay the Heavy, um, who is the son of Jafar, and uh, they uh, they they get um, there's a I guess a desegregation program going on in the Disney universe where they're like you know busing kids in from the ghetto uh, of of and they're called VKs villain kids and so you know they go and of course Maleficent who is played by Christian Chenoweth. She's from the uh, Wicked. Was, Wicked, right, right. Yeah, Wicked's what made her famous. So Kristen Chenoweth of the We Could Only Afford Her for Three Days fame stars as Maleficent. And uh, Maleficent wants Mal to, you know, get that get the, get the fairy godmother's magic wand. And Mal, of course, is like, yeah, because I'm, I'm evil. But then, yeah. of course, she, you know, she roofies the beast's son <laughs> and, uh, you know, tries to get him to fall in love with her. But, oh, wait. He legit falls in love with her, Ooh. and she has a change of heart, and the movie ends with Maleficent turning into a lizard because that's the amount of love that's in her heart because her daughter doesn't love, or he, she doesn't love her daughter. <laughs> but they kind of set up that she can learn to love and yeah. uh, grow into a human again, and then that never happens. Yeah, then that never happens. Like, no, sorry, your mother never loves you, Mal. Yeah. But it's okay because you, you, you're, you're really hot, and you have a really boring boyfriend. Uh, in movie two, uh, the learn to be yourself entry into the franchise. Uh, nothing happens. I, I thought of that one as the sex in the city one in the franchise where she's Carrie dating. Uh, what's his name? Aiden, where she's like, I have this guy, everything's perfect and I can't handle it. And then she's like, mm-hmm. she just freaks mm-hmm. out about it. Yeah. So she goes back home and then her, like, I guess rival, the daughter of Ursula, whose name is Uma and has a song called what's my name, which might be the, one of the worst songs. What? Uh, <laughs> no. It was like the Christina Aguilera song is what it sounded like to well, me. Well, I think that Descendants 2 is like the worst movie with the best songs. I think it had mm, such yeah. strong songs. It did It did have a fun uh, slap in beginning, which turns out to be a... the fight song when they're fighting each other. Yeah. The intro song is great. Yeah. Uma's song is great. A lot of bangers. Yeah. Uma is uh, kind of, I, I guess, our... Um, anti-hero of the franchise. Uh, she also roofies the beast son. Um, this fucking guy can't get it. <laughs> he just keeps getting love spelled. Yeah. yeah, so she she love spells him, but he gets over it because he realizes he loves his white girlfriend. So Uma jumps into the sea, turns into an octopus for a minute. Uh, but then she, like, beast son is like, hey, you can be good. And she's like, no, nah, and the movie ends. In betwixt these entries, there is a uh, short film 
called Under the Sea, which is just a, an extended music video. It was it was surreal. It was an extended music video, but with like a weirdly long intro that was tonally very strange. Like everyone was acting directly to us, like the intro to like a computer game, or Lindsay said like the beginning of a roller coaster when they have the little video <laughs> setting it up. It's a ride. Yeah. So everyone's acting is like a little more broad, like they're acting it a little more strange. And I kept expecting them to turn directly to us and be like, what do we do? How are we going to get the magic necklace back? Strap in. We need you guys to to create a diversion (laughs) while Mal and I go and like get the necklace. So strap in and we're going to go for a wild ride. And then it turns into Stronger by Kelly Clarkson and a very sort of homoerotic duel of personalities between Mal and Uma, and then it ends. Yeah, and they're underwater, but it's just like wind machines and a lot of yeah. blue screen, and they're just kind of like flying around on yeah. this void. Like, does Kenny Ortega, well, I guess Kenny Ortega doesn't, didn't direct that, but like, Stronger is a breakup song. Like, <laughs> but okay, sure. Very, very necessary entry into the franchise in order to understand oh, what yeah, happens Oh yeah, I wouldn't the skip it. I think you need to watch it to it. understand. I feel bad now. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, oh, it's like the Silmarillion of the Descendants yeah. franchise. <laughs> like you can skip it, but you're not going to get the same experience Crap. out of it. Yeah, there's, there's layers to the like world building that you're going to gonna miss yeah goodness don't you want to know where glorfindel comes from (laughs) anyway uh so then the third movie mal as the sort of newly conservative immigrant into oradon yes you know starts like towing the line of like well i you know i did the legal way i signed my papers so she starts advocating for closing the border because her dilf dad hades tried to escape (laughs) and um so then they, you know, realize that, you know, segregation is wrong and then they tear down the wall and then the, the franchise ends with integration. So that's Descendants. It doesn't really um, seem to have any interest in Disney villains as a concept. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of lore. There was a <laughs> yeah. lot of like signifiers of lore, a lot of like visuals and like cameos like, hey, it's that guy. But I, I felt like they could have done a lot more meta jokes yeah, the there premise. could have been a lot more like visual, obvious, like son of blank. But it seems like they kind of left it to the extras. Yeah, we wanted the school coach to yeah. be Hercules, like have him dress like Herc, obvious stuff like that. I felt like they had a lot of extra characters that were not a fairy tale character or the son of a fairy tale character. Right. And it's like, they could have had like Pain yeah. and Panic as one of the VKs, uh-huh. just kind of obviously dressed in yeah. the background. Like if you're making this film, I don't understand not making everything some kind of visual reference. And there were yeah. like some little touches that were cute, um, but not not everything. <laughs> and I, that's just yeah. strange to me. I actually, I was going to say too, one of my main critiques of this entire series, because I actually, I thought the concept was pretty interesting just as like a setup and, it's kind of a shame that they just did it as like a direct to TV uh, series because you can tell. And I was I was so Sarah came back last night from Michigan. So oh, we, we were nice. watching some of it and I was like, it just looks like they had like 15 days to shoot this. Like they just yeah. they don't have a lot of takes like oh my God, there's yeah. just no money. <laughs> yeah, we had like a yeah. running joke through our watch of it. Uh, we called Kenny Ortega one shot Ortega. Because there were a lot of shots where just like a bra strap would be showing or someone's hand yeah. would like yeah. hit a prop. Or a line read would be really bad. Yeah, and uh, you just got the <laughs> sense that they like, he was like, we have this location for three days. We yeah. can only do one take of yeah. each thing. <laughs> An old one take or take. Yeah. I, th- I, I think if they had really like, because I think the concept is strong enough where they had just, if they had moved this to like the feature, like Walt Disney feature animation department. Mm-hmm. And sort mm-hmm. of like storied yeah. it to death. And it would have like, been a lot more fun. You, they yeah. could have had a lot more Easter egg. It could have been like Wreck It Ralph too, but not shitty. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually see a lot of potential in it. I mean, it's. I still thought it was like strong as far as like a setup's concerned. But like again, I think the budget and just not having any. Again, they just don't have money, especially the CG in the second yeah. one. Yeah, like the the what is it? The dragon and the and the <laughs> oh, octopus. God, yeah. <laughs> It literally looks like it's from 1999. Yeah. If anyone's seen Nostalgia Critics The Wall, um, I believe that the dragon in The Descendants looks like the dragon from that review. It looks like a satellite yeah, city satellite character. City. I don't know. I feel like the satellite city creatures look better than the creatures yeah, in The Descendants franchise. Yeah, I think franchise. they do, but they, they both shared kind of a seductive wiggliness while it <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> so it was very Seductive. like very similar in spirit to me. Although the first movie uh, did like it, it definitely gave me some Love Never Dies vibes with the mm. the bait and switch <laughs> villain at the end because it turns out to be right. uh, Fairy Godmother's daughter Jane, who they're like joking the whole movie about what a dog face. She oh my god, is. I love that. And she's like <laughs> as cute as all of the other actresses, and she's just like, "Mom, fix my nose." Yeah. It's like, but fix she has like nose. a bob instead of long wavy yeah, hair. That's so the they're like, for ugly is yeah. she has a smooth bob and you're like oh only a mother could love that face and she's like a size six instead of a size two yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally i felt so bad for her yeah. so yeah. but it was also like actress. set up better than love never dies because it's like you know whenever she grabs the gun at the end it's like look out she's got a she's gun, got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> jane put like, the wand down <laughs> jane jane give me the wand <laughs> and then at the end like mal has the wand and is giving this long monologue about how she's learned to be good but she's still holding it and in this universe the wand is basically like an Uzi um, so it's sort of like she's giving this long house it's like okay you can you can learn to change give me the gun yeah, yeah she's like I love school put it down. and I love Ben and it's I like put be the good. gun down and everyone's like yeah. sure okay why not let's do it yeah um should we talk about the music yes uh, for, right. for what there is yeah uh Jenny yeah. why don't you go first since you're our guest Gosh. be our guest be our guest mm-hmm. Have um, a hot hors d'oeuvre. Let's see. I mean, I love um, I love some of the songs. I think they're iconic. I don't think they're all good. But, um, you know, I, I loved the songs in the second one. I think my favorite song in the whole thing was probably the intro song in the second yeah. film. W-I-C-K-E-D. That one oh yeah, slaps. the wicked one. That one's good. And it, the music video is so great. Like the dancing's cool. All the characters yeah, are bringing they so do much a lot energy. of creative things with apples. Yeah, but then yeah, I was yeah, so yeah. mad because they reveal <laughs> that it's a dream sequence. It has nothing to do with the story. I think they basically probably made that music video in the time between films. Mm. Yeah, because it looks like that bad more than one take. Yeah, like yeah. there might have been two, maybe even three takes of each shot. Yeah, like they released that you know three months before the movie, and you get hype and you think it's going to be in the movie, and then it's not. It, it just was very strange, but that was probably my favorite song. Um, most of them were very forgettable, yeah. unfortunately. Unre- like, unrelated to this, but I think the one-takeness really kind of, like, hit me in a song um, in the first movie where the Beast's son, his name is Ben, mm-hmm. um, who is the king of Oridon, uh, is like oh my god Mal I love you and starts to have like a big dance and song oh, right, number right. on this football field and I'm During just like Quidditch wow <laughs> bold of them to shoot in the late afternoon sun like that and um, I realized as the song went on like the sun never the angle of the sun didn't really change much from shot to shot and I realized like holy shit they shot this entire number in about three hours yeah, yeah they probably <laughs> had the field for two days and they were like okay we've got to shoot at golden hour each day mm-hmm. No, I bet they did it all in one day. They shot it between the hours of like 3 and 6 p.m. <laughs> you think they couldn't afford an extra day of desolate field? <laughs> yeah. You never this know, man. location, man. man it's you beautiful. Never know. It's competitive. It's, but there's a lot of extras there. He's like, you know, yeah, there's a lot of true. people. They did have the second school vacate before the music number strategically. They're like, oh, the yeah, away team's going oh, home. Yeah, the so away team. <laughs> it's empty bleachers at the back of the shot. Yeah. My guess for that is they did have the field for two days, and the first day was with the away team, and the second day was without, and that mm-hmm. was when they recorded the, the song and dance number. Yeah. I love the away team, too, because you can tell it's like a bunch of like local moms and stuff. <laughs> Just they put out a general casting call to like whoever wants to show up. Yeah, there's a lot of 30-year-old extra. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one take, Ortega. I was just thinking, like, man, he's like the Michael Bay of the discom world. Like, you know, they love him because he always hits his deadlines. He's always under budget. Like, he only ever takes one take. The editors love him because there's, like, never enough coverage, but they don't have to make any decisions. Yeah, he shoots sequentially, and there's just one take for each line. Yeah, and the editors have to be really creative. Yeah. The editing, too, I feel like it had a very quick turnaround because there's there's a lot of dead space in it. Do you mm-hmm. guys notice that? Like, there's just these huge gaps between actions. It just, it feels like a yeah. second Yeah, and a cut. lot of scenes that just end. Like, yeah. they'll just say a line and it'll just kind of fade to black and the next scene will begin. Yeah. Or in the third movie where they have, like, the bad guy in that one is uh, Aurora's daughter, um, Audrey, who... Her uh, number was like, great, though. Her her musical oh, number. Oh, that was so oh, good. Yeah. Th- that I kept thinking really it was good. like a Rihanna song that she was singing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's got some Rihanna vibes. Yeah. But, like, she, they, they're, like, at about half, a full half of the film 
room while um, Mal and pals, because Uma's on their team now. Um, Uma, the young radical who who wants to liberate the aisle, and like you know, uh, Mal, the class traitor, who's over here, like, no, we have to build the wall. Uh, <laughs> um, so Audrey is like watching them, but like they clearly didn't get any coverage for it, so they would keep cutting to like this weird medium close up of Audrey, like looking, like looking at her staff um yeah and she it, can like, see them in her staff you're right, 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 right. it's like 30 percent of the movie whenever they right, needed to just... like like there was no setup there was no like establishing mm-hmm. shot mm-hmm. it was just very like okay this is a reshoot and they had like three hours to get it yeah, yeah it feels like if it was normally shot it would you'd see her in the cottage first stalking around yeah. and like maybe then she'd look at the staff but it would just cut abruptly to her already looking into the yep. staff mm-hmm. it was the same Smash shot every time looking at the staff. Yeah, yeah it was very one strange. setup one take <laughs> Kenny Ortega <laughs> so you guys did see uh, High School Musical you said right um, yeah um, I, I haven't I haven't seen the second one but, but is, seen... is the first one like equally sort of seem rushed but still like revered oh like, yeah the does? first okay. High School Musical is way cheaper than any of these because that was kind of before they established that a Disney Channel franchise could be like a giant Huge. hit okay yeah that was kind of the precursor in the same way that like Miley Cyrus revolutionized the idea that a Disney Channel star could be a real world star. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I guess Hilary Duff was the first one. But High School Musical was kind of that for the movies. Before that, it was like Luck of the Irish, Smart House. And like kids watched them and they re-ran them, but they weren't phenomenons. And then after High School Musical, they were like, oh, we can make franchises that are phenomenons. We can do Camp Rock. We can do Descendants. And they're still kind of trying to capture that magic today. Um, I don't know if it works every time, but yeah, <laughs> it's interesting though. Cause the kid, like I said, my niece like loved it. She didn't care. She was, mm-hmm. she's all about like the songs and the outfits and the colors and, and the characters. So and she could sing along. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was talking to Sarah about this. I was like, this, it was like, Oh, what is with this CG? And she's like, fucking, you know, nine year olds don't give it's, a yeah, shit. It's for seven oh, they don't know yeah. Yeah. They don't care. It's yeah. a real dragon. I was like, but it's so close. It's exactly what you guys were talking about at the beginning. We're like, it's so close. Like you can see how it could be great. And it just, mm-hmm. it doesn't get there because there's no money and there's no yeah. time. And like, that's what kind of makes it frustrating. I think that doesn't need to be like, it's sort yeah. of like it's a you know it's I, we were like joking about how like you got to wonder if there's anyone like on this crew like at the writing stage that's just like trying to inject serious art into this and like trying to create overarching themes trying to like bring meaning to this thing that just like it just is just like you know printing money is just like pure <laughs> corporate dreck uh, designed to like appeal to young children to like sell stuff and like you know they don't care and that's fine have a bunch of like generic pop songs because uh, really some of them do feel like they have like a grab bag of like discom pop songs mm-hmm. that they could just like pick up and throw in the movie at any point like mal's kind of my heart is sad oh, song yeah. mm-hmm. at the so end of generic. the first movie it like and, they didn't even really tell you what she was feeling conflicted about at that moment yeah. it was just like, it felt like i wish so i hadn't in. roofied him yeah. <laughs> i also thought it was weird that she's saying it she's like he's like i'm gonna go for a swim right now randomly and she's like okay cool yeah, now this was is already my song odd to do on a date <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess it's very high school boy yeah. Babe, you can watch me skateboard. Yeah, there were a lot of high school boy moments where it's just like, as an adult, this is horrifying. But as a, if you're like a, a kid, like, that, for instance, in the third movie, Carlos, son of Cruella, is dating Jane, who was the bait and switch bad guy in the first movie. But she's good now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess she was always good. She's always she was just good. like, that's the thing. It's just like the, the white kids, they're not bad. They're misguided. Misguided, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, and she was just misguided because she was so ugly. You yeah, would turn out evil, too, if you looked like that. <laughs> but, you know, Carlos <laughs> loves dogs. So yeah, <laughs> that's like, true. Exactly. Um, but, like, he gives, he's like, I made you something with my 3D printer and you think it's going to be something like thoughtful because she's like she likes event planning so it's going to be like oh maybe it's a planner or something and he oh and she opens it and it's a necklace that says Jarlos which is like their Brangelina <laughs> I was going to say it's and, straight up Brangelina necklace yeah. she made them. <laughs> and he's like it's like it's our portmanteau and she's like oh wow it's cool and I was like that's awful and, and, and you were like yeah but if you were like in eighth grade, you'd be like, this is the most beautiful thing. Yeah, you'd be like a display of sentimentality from my high school boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, I, could, I guess I could see where the, the pool stuff would work when you're like a high school boy being like, I'm going to go in the water. Do you want to come with yeah. me? And then he's like, I'm going to go. Like, I could see it from that he's angle. Been lifting. She'd never yeah. been on a date. She didn't know that she was supposed to join him in the water. She's just like, 
Oh, I'll watch while and he yeah. eats strawberries <laughs> through, through that lens. Yeah, that's a, it's like that was another thing was the weird strawberries through line. It's like her personality trait is like you know they each kind of have one, and Mal's is like strawberry. I liked strawberries because I got the impression that that was the actress's choice in the first film. Mm-hmm. Like they just had a prop, and she's like, "Oh, I decided that my character probably hasn't had strawberries before, so now in every scene, I'm going to be." eating a strawberry and then they like wrote it into the later films and I was yeah. like yes an actress making a choice in a decom <laughs> they dropped the artist angle and added the strawberry angle yeah. and then just wrote it for three movies <laughs> yeah because they don't grow on the aisle right and so Carlos is afraid of dogs and he learns to like dogs in the first movie he appears to be a gentle soul he's like the beast boy um, and that's his one personality trait Jay I'm not sure what his personality trait is supposed to be he was a thief that was the best part. He was like my yeah. favorite character from the first one because he stole stuff. Because I was going to say, I'm like, when I was a kid, I used to think kids who stole stuff were like awesome. It yeah. did make it cool, This podcast like, is like advocating for stealing, apparently. <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I was like, I thought it was very strange because I'm like, Jafar is a sorcerer. They made him like the Robin Williams peddler from the beginning of Aladdin. Mm, okay. yeah. She's yeah. not. And we were kind of like, this is weird and kind of racist. The way like Jafar has been like reduced to like, you know, Times Square salesman. Like, do you want a shirt? He's like, I've got a shirt. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys are the Broadway experts. So maybe one of you has the answer. <laughs> I haven't seen Aladdin on Broadway, but I think oh, we they haven't. added we haven't seen like, it either. No, I feel like they added Jafar backstory. And like some of the backstory was that like, he had to rise from like being a beggar and a thief. To well, be they definitely the did in the new movie. It makes sense. Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. In the new movie, yeah. he's he talks about like I was a beggar and a thief too, and now so there I'm you go. The Maybe this Vizier. is the new Jafar lore that they're incorporating into today. Truly awful actor. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were trying to make him like a counterpoint to Aladdin, where it's yeah. like Aladdin was poor and stole, but he didn't go down this road. Unlike Dilf Hades. Yeah. yeah Hades. Dilf Jafar saying in the Hades. movie or in yeah. this. I li- uh, well, Dilf Jafar in the new movie, the Guy Ritchie movie, is okay. just like one of the worst things in that movie. And I'm just like, the, the movie is pretty bad top to bottom. It has some redeemable elements, but for the most part, it's just like Guy Ritchie clearly had no interest in making I this movie. I was going to say, which is interesting, <laughs> is that in this one, it's Maz Jabrani, who's, I don't know if you guys know him, but he's like a very famous uh, Persian stand-up comedian. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and I know that the one, what's his name, Navid Nagaban or something? I forget what his name is. So both of the Jafars in both of the Disney movies are Persian guys, which I think is really strange. That's like, really well, weird. Well, I feel, I feel like this Jafar Jafar was better than that Jafar. Yeah. Discom Jafar superior to Guy Ritchie Jafar. I can't even remember live action movie Jafar. I only know, I didn't see it, but I only know that that's, again, because you're like, oh, there's the one Persian actor in it, so of mm-hmm. course we know about yeah. it. Yeah, live action movie Jafar reminded me of in the um, M. Night Shyamalan version of Avatar, The Last Airbender, how Asif Manvi spent the whole movie trying to be really, really serious. Right. <laughs> like, uh, right. That, that was what that Jafar reminded me of. He was just like, he had, like he was like on one level, but anyway, Descendants. Uh, Descendants. Yeah, I, I was kind of, yeah, it was disappointing that like, because in the first movie, Maleficent's the bad parent who doesn't oh, love her child and never sorry. will. I just looked it up. My bad. No, that's not who Jafar is. I lied. It's somebody else. <laughs> oh my God. Non-Persian. Oh, the Sultan. Yeah. The Sultan. That's who I was talking about. Uh, the Sultan's okay. the other Persian actor. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted okay. to make sure. I don't know why I know this, but I know the actor who played Jafar in the Guy Ritchie movie was not Persian. Yeah, that's what I get for speaking up on a movie I haven't actually seen. But right, no, this- like, wow. oh, oh, God, yeah, there was all this discourse around it because Mina Masood is uh, Egyptian and mm-hmm. Naomi Scott is half Indian. Anyway, um, uh, this, is, this is Twitter. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, there! Oh, the discourse. Yeah, it was. But I did find it odd that like Jay had like after the first movie, his his you know one defining characteristic was thief, which I found a little iffy. They dropped that, um, and then after that, he's just like sports. He's really yeah. It kind of made sense. Thing. He was yeah. like the buff one. He was the jock guy. Yeah, yeah. But he, he, was the jock. D- he had the least character. I think it was like notorious jock Jafar. Yeah, I feel like it was either the second <laughs> or third movie. He suddenly had a heart to heart with Mal, and then we realized like, oh, they've never really exchanged words before this. Yeah, the two of them. <laughs> they needed that scene. friendship moment. So at least they got that one scene. But I feel yeah. like he needed a little more interaction with the other VKs. The other VKs. He yeah. was the non-jock douche in the second one because I, for, I forget what Mulan's daughter's oh, name right. is. Lonnie. 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 Which I was like, yeah. that was good. And of course, I was watching it with my niece, and I was like, see, that's a real man. He stuck up for what was right. And then yeah, she, like, yeah. she <laughs> rolled her eyes spot. at me. She's like, yeah, I know a dipshit, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I guess that was an interesting, like, a thing in the second movie. Uh, Mulan's daughter Lonnie is trying out for the fencing team because the preppy high school has a fencing team that Jay is the captain of for some reason. And they won't let her on the fencing team because it's boys only. And Oradon is, like, super, super discriminatory, if you can't tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that the VKs fit right in. Like, once they assimilate, they're all about that discrimination. Well, they fixed everyone's ugly bobs. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it it, it, that is kind of funny because, like, Uma, um, who, you know, is, is the young radical and is, of course, correct in that, like, you know, there's a severe, like, injustice mm-hmm. at, like, just, like, the levels of poverty on, <clears throat> on the Isle of the Lost and just, like, the, the abundance and... and and plenty that is on Oradon. So it, it is interesting how they actually kind of engage with that in the second and third movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, there was a lot of potential there. We could have, you know, I guess they kind of dip a toe into it. The third one had some higher stakes, though, for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. The, and then the what's her and Audrey that comes back. I mean, I mean, she was in the second one, but it's right. like Audrey the, is the like consequences the consequences of those actions. Yeah, come back, and it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that happens in the third one. I mean, just like the third, like the 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 non consequences for Audrey, who like you know breaks everything and you know basically puts the entire turns people to stone, does a yeah. lot worse than any of the you know villains oh, have done sure. so far. And then like she gets like knocked out, and so they have to bring Dilf Hades in to like <laughs> bring her soul back, and he he has this speech about like wow yeah so like when one of your like rich white kids did it like does something bad they're like oh she was misguided but like when one of us does something wrong we're just like sent off to the penal colony forever yeah and i was like this movie is deep bro well apparently <laughs> well, my niece wanted me to mention this on the podcast that there is a fourth one coming out yes <laughs> really yes it's supposed to come out this yeah. summer i believe oh yeah the wedding thing and the other the, thing the, that she the told wedding me thing it sounded like it was going to be animated, which is bad oh, really? news because we watched a couple animated webisodes and they right. were real bad. Well, I mean, they're going to have a weird time bringing it back because um, Carlos. It was yeah, so sad. Actually, I yeah, know. Oh my he, God. Like, at the age of like 20 He's 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. He like uh, died suddenly of a seizure in his sleep. Uh, and I think like they didn't even ago. know that he had the or maybe they knew he had the condition, but not that this was a potential risk factor. Yeah. But, it was just Very a freak, scary. yeah, freak accident. That so, kid was yeah. a sweetheart too. And I was like legitimately yeah. mm-hmm. upset when my niece told me that. I was like, "Excuse me, what? I know, and he Carlos? looks so, so much like, younger than he even is. You know, ugh. he has such like a boyish yeah. face. It's so sad. Not like Doug, son of Dopey, who <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. that man is thirty-seven. And uh, then I looked it up, and it's like, no, he's the same age as Dove Cameron, like the the kid that played dope, like Dopey's son in the first movie, just like rapidly aged in four years and like at the age of 23 looks like a 31 year old he grew his incel ponytail and that ponytail was really weird I told Sarah I was like it looks like you remember in Captain America like before he gets like the Captain America serum where he's mm-hmm. like the small, I was like, it looks yeah. like Fabio, like before he got like the Fabio serum oh to like become gigantic and ripped. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I don't see what Evie sees in him, but then again, maybe this is just her first boyfriend. She'll, she'll, That's true. She'll maybe she just up. needs like a simp. I feel like it's like you said, <laughs> yeah. with like Mal has a boring boyfriend and it's like sometimes a really interesting woman just needs like a really boring boyfriend to compliment yeah. her. Well, he's like supportive. She doesn't want anyone hogging the attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, what he like, does her accounting, I think. Think or something, right? As well, yeah, exactly. It's a good, good, and he's probably like stoked. Yeah, complimentary. Yeah, he's happy to be here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Also, the third movie uh, does have a lot more VKs. I, uh, I don't. I'm a fan of Gaston's son, Gil. Oh, that guy was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Who's a big fan of berries and grapes? I was gonna say the other guy too. The the Hook kid, Harry Hook, Harry Hook, who's totally Kylo Ren, by the way. With no, like his he's, fake he was hook. once upon a time. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, the, a the young, fake young hook. hook. The fake hook. The fact that he's using it just for the aesthetic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that is true. He's totally Kylo Hook. But is yeah, what he I was like the him. descendant of uh, Hook by way of Once Upon a Time. Yeah, where it's just yeah like there a was hot definitely Jack a lot of Once Upon a Time influence in yeah. here. I never watched it. Um, I can't believe it. What? Yeah, it is interesting, like how much <laughs> Disney has, has like. Yeah, <laughs> it's so riveting. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of does the same thing as like the evil queen is like one of the principal characters in that. I love the evil queen in that show. She's like the best. Well, Rumpelstiltskin's probably the best character. In yeah, that. it's so weird because like Rumpelstiltskin is also the beast. Well, they have a double duty for a lot of characters. Like Peter Pan is also five other characters or something stupid like that. Yeah, it's it's a very strange Hook franchise. Hook is also the crocodile. It's uh 
yeah, it's a bunch and of stuff. Or no, Rumpelstiltskin is the crocodile and the beast. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> it, uh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, I guess it's like one of those long-running network series that it's like, it's okay to be weird and convoluted. It's like a soap opera. Like, everyone's related to everyone. Many characters are multiple characters. I should do like a Vampire yeah. diaries people, treatment on that. People, you know, that. kill people in one season and then get married to the people they killed in the next. It's like one of those shows. That's kind of awesome, I love though. that. So do you guys remember the my Once Upon a Time song that she sings in the third one? Hated that one. Oh, that where the people Did turned to stone it? and <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like you, they you randomly it up turned because to you loved it. You cried. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I made a note because because all the songs sound there's like I because I took notes of actually every single one of the songs, <laughs> and there's really only like two that didn't sound like songs that were sort of lifted from the radio and sort of replicated, right. and mm-hmm. that was the only one. My Once Upon a Time was the only one I thought felt like a. Like a that straight up Broadway musically. kind of track. Yeah. And I was wondering if I was, if you guys felt the same way. Well, I wanted to look up who wrote it because my note about that one is I'm, I'm a Sophia the First stan, the Disney Channel series, Sophia the First. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a kid series and it's about princesses. And that song in particular sounded exactly like one of the worst songs that they would have on Sophia yeah. the First. <laughs> it sounded incredibly generic. So if it by incredibly generic end of act generic like three princessy. ballad, yes, yes, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> yes, it did sound incredibly generic. But I think the same. Like I think they're designed to sound generic. I almost kind of wonder if there's like a diff- decree from corporate that none of the songs can sound too interesting, lest they like compete or encroach on the like you know animated you know, turf where they actually mm-hmm. do have to like be interesting and be sung in karaoke bars. I don't know though. Cause like they, they did the tangled spinoff cartoon. I think I brought it up in the first part of this episode mm-hmm. as well, but that one, they brought back Ellen Menken to do all the songs for it. Oh, and really? he was, he was turning out some bangers. So I just don't know why they don't step it up with like this franchise, which is so huge. Maybe they think they are. I yeah. mean, the pop songs probably did really well on Radio Disney and streaming I, I think apps. That they don't think in terms of like this could have crossover appeal, which yeah. it does honestly strike me as strange because like who are fans of Disney villains? Yeah, the gays and the adults. Um, so it does kind of strike me as a little bit of a missed opportunity. Like you said, it would make sense as a feature film because it is the sort of thing that like could appeal to you know kids, but also to adults who are like really into like Disney lore and like looking mm-hmm. for yeah. Easter eggs and you know I like. I stand, what was it, squeaky and squirmy Smee? (laughs) Like good old squirmy Smee, son of Smee. I like Um, that. I would love to see this as an animated, like you guys said, but I could also see it now that Disney Plus exists. Like imagine a long form series in this universe Mm -hmm. that's Disney Plus. I think then you could like expand on the characters. It depends on what your age demo is. Like I think an animated film series would be really fun. Yeah, do like Um, Attack on Titan. (laughs) Or no, just animated or like, you know, the same animation style as Frozen or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then also it would be really cool to see a live action kind of almost CW-esque Disney Plus series um, that's obviously still kid appropriate, but could get a little more into like the pathos of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Give Ben a tragic backstory. Yeah. Give everyone a little more. More hip bumps. Hip hip bumps until everybody has bruised hips. (laughs) Yeah. Comedic hip bumps in every scene. Kenny Ortega hip bump. I feel like, yeah, it's like, I I feel like after these three movies, like I know Kenny Ortega, like I I feel like I know his personality, (laughs) his hopes, his dreams. Yeah. I also feel like, because as you mentioned, he's like extremely gay. So Mm -hmm. maybe he didn't realize the weird, like, uh, because there's a father-daughter ballad in in movie three between Mal and Hades. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it doesn't read like a father-daughter ballad. It it does not read like. No, they're like flirting with each other. That's like, it sounds like a meatloaf song is the note that I wrote. Oh yeah. It gave some, (laughs) it was giving some Steinman vibes. I could definitely see see that. that. I I liked that one, but just because it had Dilf Hades in it and I like Dilf Hades. I don't know if you guys, if I told you guys that. (laughs) Oh, I, I could tell. Yeah, I could I tell that you yeah. love Dilf Hades. I, I didn't, yeah, like, you know, Cheyenne Jack, Jackson Thirst. My, I, I guess I'm a big 30 Rock fan from way back. Yeah, right? Huh. My my character that cracked me up, uh, my, my character, the character that cracked me up the most was uh, Dizzy, because <laughs> she is 100% Sarah, because when she, like, whips, she's, like, the person who sits and, like, does all the craft stuff, and then she's like, mm. oh, what if we make, like, this little, like, whatever, when when uh, Evie's trying to make the, is it the bracelet that she's making with her? Uh-huh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then she's just like, let me grab my glue gun, and then, like, pulls it out and starts screaming. <laughs> That's, like, 100% how Sarah is. <laughs> 
So, Kave, overall, did you uh, enjoy your Descendants experience? Yeah, I, I got to say, so having my personal background of having worked production for many years, I I sort of gave a lot of the problems a pass because it's just obvious to me that I'm like, they just didn't have the money or the time to do it. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's not fair to necessarily like, but like rail on it too much. Yeah, because like I feel repo. like yeah, right. <laughs> that deserved it. Because I feel like I'm, it's really like kind of a lot of what we were saying. I enjoyed it. I think it had a lot more potential, and and it's it's clearly got like an interesting concept, and I think it's fun, and and I can. But you know, whatever the kids like it, and they sell toys, so whatever. I can't shit on that. Uh, and especially like having uh, experienced it with the Target demo, which is like I imagine it would be a lot of fun. You know, we 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 had a millennials night. You know, because I think there's something to be said for like, because uh, like after you guys left, my husband was like, you know, it's like we should watch more low stakes movies that you don't need to like, you know, be like quiet and riveted. Yeah, for. you can kind of <laughs> chat over them and yeah. like tune in and see ex- some stuff that's exciting. You're not really missing anything if you talk over them. Yeah, and I, I love a. things yeah. for kids that aren't afraid to have a little bit of angst. And so the the fact that they use the villain characters make it a little edgy. Um, yeah. I think this is good kids content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mal is definitely like uh, a little bit more of an edgy Elsa, where it's yeah. just like, yeah, I have I have my anger. I want to be good, but I also want to be bad, and you know, it it does it it makes a lot of sense as to its appeal. I look forward to more Dilf Hades. Do you guys think that this could be condensed into an actual musical, like an actual Broadway show? Like, how would you do that? I feel like they'd have to remake almost every song. Yeah. You think so? <laughs> God, I hope so. Yeah. I don't, yeah. cut a lot of them. Save uh, Rotten to the Core. It's iconic. And, I'm, I'm uh, going to go others. with no, please don't. <laughs> um, but I also want to say no, please don't to all Disney Broadway things. That's true. I would like them to stop. I mean, what if they did like one of those traveling kids stage shows, like an arena tour and mm-hmm. you buy like a lighted wand and like a doll yeah, and yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's fun. I would go to that. That would be, or like on ice. That would be great. All of the Disney or Disney ripoff musicals I've seen have been like really bad versions of the thing they were originally. And I I haven't seen Aladdin yet. I've heard it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like each time we do this thing, like the musical adaptation ends up being just like a tedious overwrought version of the thing it already was especially Anastasia Jesus Christ mm. I don't understand how people how do you people defend that uh. <laughs> but I, obviously it wasn't Disney but it was a Disney ripoff it's Disney now it's Fox that's true oh, right. yeah. Disney yeah. Now. oh yeah so I guess they own the the stage show too I wonder if they do I wonder how the contract even though yeah out. our boy Ramin uh, originated the like Rasputin <laughs> replacement oh okay <laughs> Yeah, because they got they they dumped Rasputin for like this communist, yeah, yeah, something like that. Like this this communist guy who is like in the in the, you know chasing Anna across the. I mean Anna, Anna. across the <laughs> Anya. It's Anya. Yeah, crossing. <laughs> You're both wrong. Yeah. Anna. <laughs> and oh. and we'll die wrong. Yes. Well, oh anyway. anyway. So that, that's yeah, that's Descendants. I uh, hope you kids have fun. I had fun. I hope they do make more. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, which I'm sure you absolutely did, please leave us a good review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please uh, try that Audible yes. uh, <laughs> uh, 30-day free trial. Please use our, our use codes. Our, use our code. That's how we're able to keep bringing you the most fantastic podcasts ever created yeah, in the history the of the world. The hottest takes. Um, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, we are at Splaining, And on Twitter, we are at Splaining with no G. I am at Kavitaharian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Go check out my comics. So, uh, and and I guess we're rotten. We're rotten. To To the the core. core. See you at the, what was it, Audubon? I kept thinking it was Oregon. Yes, see you at the Disney Channel original movies. (laughs)